0: This is Charles Christoph Carter of Serial Dreadfuls, and I'd like to welcome you to Episode 2 of Ghost Notes. For those of you who don't already know, Ghost Notes consist of letters, emails, texts, and other communications that have found their way to us. We don't include the authors' last names, and we alter their first names when asked to do so. Any emphasis in reading these communications is added for dramatic effect. Are these accounts real, imagined, or simply works of fiction, take a listen. We'll let you decide. This episode's ghost note came to us as a letter from a listener in Massachusetts. She asked that we not use her real name. My name is Karen, and I've been keeping a secret for 40 years. It's because of your commentary on cryptid researchers in Vermont, as well as your first episode of Ghost Notes, that I was able to muster the courage to write in and tell you my story. I'm originally from Michigan. I graduated high school in 1971 and got into the University of Vermont, famously known as UVM, on a partial scholarship. After four amazing years, I graduated with a degree in English. At the time, I was also very much in love with... I'll... I'll call him John. I knew this was going to be hard. I just, just didn't think it would be this hard. Not after all these years. We were living in a cramped upstairs apartment. Actually, it was the attic of a two-story house. We roasted in the summer and froze during the winter, but we had each other. On one hot July night, John jumped out of bed and told me that he couldn't take it anymore. He told me that first thing in the morning we were going to buy a newspaper and find somewhere else to live. I remember it like it was yesterday. We must have spent all afternoon poring over the for-rent section of the paper. Finally, I saw John's expression brighten and he said, Aha! This is perfect. Where is it? I remember asking him. Moncton, he replied. Moncton? Where's that? I asked. Beats me, but that's where we're going. We're going to live in Moncton, John said triumphantly, giving me a big bear hug and then a quick kiss. Looking back on it, I wish we had just stayed in bed that hot summer morning, had dealt with the cramped space, the heat, the cold, just like we had the year before. We drove out to the place the following Saturday to take a look and to meet the owner, an absentee landlord from Connecticut. The place was several acres with an ancient farmhouse positioned on a slight rise a few yards from a bend in the hard-packed dirt road. There was a large barn across the road from the farmhouse that also went with the property. John's hopes of using the barn as a ceramic studio were immediately crushed when we were informed that the barn had been rented to our nearest neighbor some two miles up the road, who was a farmer and also caretaker of the property. The owner told us that he and the farmer had a deal where the owner gave him use of the barn as long as the farmer looked after the place. The owner seemed to be really anxious to rent the property and was giving us the hard sell. We told him that it seemed nice enough, but we were concerned about the age of the farmhouse and its isolated location. We asked him if any of his prior tenants had had any problems. I remember him shaking his head no. John asked him why the prior tenants had left. The owner said that the most recent tenant had left because he got a job down in Hartford. Confused, we asked him where the telephone poles were. He told us that there weren't any this far out, and that if we had to make a call, we'd have to go to the gas station three miles away. He said that if it was an emergency, he was sure that Bill, our neighbor up the road, would accommodate us. I know what you're thinking, especially in this day and age where everyone has a cell phone. You have to understand that it was a different time, and that telephones, while common, were not as much the center of life as they are now, but even then, not having a telephone in your place was unusual. John and I asked the owner to give us a minute or two to talk things over as we walked to my car out of earshot. I remember like it was yesterday, us walking back and John shaking the owner's hand, both of them smiling. With age, you can look back on your life and see which moments were make-it-or-break-it moments, life-defining moments, for good or for bad. This was one of those moments, and it was definitely for bad. We became friends of our neighbor Bill and his family. They were good people. I remember Bill shaking his head in frustration when we first introduced ourselves. Please tell me you aren't the people who rented that old wreck of a farmhouse, Bill had asked. John had initially gotten his back up, thinking it had something to do with him being Hispanic. Bill had put up his hand, signaling to John to hold on. It wasn't a comment on your race, son. No, I just can't stand it when that Connecticut crook swindles good people, usually young couples like yourselves, out of their hard-earned money for such, excuse my French dear, a piece of shit hovel like that one. It's just not right. Is it really that bad? John had asked. Bill nodded his head up and down. I fear you folks are going to find out just how bad soon enough. Bill wasn't lying. The place was a disaster. One and a half weeks after having moved in, the plumbing went along with the septic system. We were doing our business in the tall grass behind that farmhouse for close to two weeks before that cheap Connecticut son of a bitch finally got a plumber and honey dipper out there to fix the problem. That's when we first saw them, the holes in the basement walls. If you would like to hear the rest of this episode, please sign up on our Patreon page and become a Dreadnought. It's only $3 a month to get unique content like ghost notes, yard work, and other original works. Thank mm-hmm. you.